In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to start today by giving you the 60-second version of the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, Matthew doesn't address any potential relationship between Mary and Elizabeth, their mothers. So we will start when each man is perhaps 30 years old and encountering one another for the first time. Ready? A furry locust-eating John is baptizing at the River Jordan and preaching these words, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He offends the most important social and religious types, spouting insults and reprimands. Then Jesus appears. Jesus wants to be baptized, and John says no, that Jesus should be the one baptizing him, because apparently John recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. But Jesus demands baptism, and John says, okay, and a dove comes down, and God's voice affirms Jesus' identity as the Messiah. Then Jesus spends some time in the wilderness. When he hears that John has been arrested, he starts preaching using John's words, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And then he travels around, gathering disciples, healing people, performing miracles, being followed by thousands of people, and preaching on the mountaintop. And then, after a few chapters of Jesus doing these very Messiah-y things, John asks if Jesus is actually the Messiah. Thank you, John the Baptist, for giving us permission to question everything, even the things we once thought we knew. John could be the patron saint of Episcopalians, you know. For us, questions are a spiritual practice. We pray for clarity all the time. We want clarity. John wanted clarity. He knew the scripture. He had heard the words of the prophets. He had preached them. He himself was a prophet. Jesus said so. John knew the words of Isaiah that we read today, the words that spoke of a Messiah who would come and heal us and save us. He had already recognized, named, and baptized Jesus as the Messiah. He heard that Jesus was doing things that fulfilled the prophecies and that Jesus was preaching the same message that he had been, that the kingdom was coming near. But he still doubted. He wanted to know for sure. Now, we don't know if clarity came to John before he was put to death, but I am grateful for his last gift to us, the gift of showing us how to ask the most important questions, even if they've already been answered in the past. Questions of identity and questions of divine truth. John, even as a prisoner in a hopeless situation, sought truth and clarity over and over again. I think that clarity is not chronological. It's cyclical. Just because John knew Jesus to be the Messiah in the third chapter of Matthew doesn't mean that he knew it to be true in the 11th chapter of Matthew. And so he asked. I have had moments of absolute confidence about being in God's presence. Absolute confidence about Jesus being God. And I have had moments 
of deep doubt, questioning what I once thought I knew. These moments don't seem to come in any particular order. Often in hindsight, I recognize God more clearly in my doubting times, actually. Faith ebbs and flows. This is one of the reasons that I love our liturgical year. It gives us a holding place for all the seasons of our hearts. And it allows us to return to different stages. Advent is a time to sit amid the unknown. We know Christmas is coming, but somehow we find ourselves in a place of not knowing for sure. Advent is dark and deep and contemplative. Sometimes we are at risk of giving into the despair of current events and forgetting the bigger story of God's love. We can wonder if Jesus really is accompanying us. We can doubt Jesus' intentions to show up and save us once again. Our society is feeling frenetic and confusing and scary. And maybe we are feeling that way, too. We can be lost as we seek out how exactly to wait. Do we wait in patience as the letter to James told us to do today? Do we settle into a restful wait, full of faith that Christ is coming? Do we wait in brace and charged stillness like a racer at the starting block? Perhaps one of these ways is how you wait. Perhaps all three. Perhaps something entirely different. Perhaps Christmas will bring clarity. The other day I was reading ahead to next week's gospel because waiting isn't my strong suit. And when I read ahead, I was given a glimmer of clarity. Christopher's preaching next week, and I'm about to step on your toes, Christopher. I apologize. The angel who comes to Joseph in a dream speaks of Jesus by two different names in the same dream. Joseph is to name the child in Mary's womb Jesus, which means God saves, and the people will call Jesus Emmanuel, which means God with us. No one seems to have a problem with these two different names, God saves and God with us, surfacing in the same dream. And apparently there was enough clarity in that for Joseph to get up and take an unwed pregnant girl as his wife, come what may. Now, in that moment of reading Jesus' two in utero names, not for the first time, I experienced a new sense of clarity in a season that has been confusing and frenetic. Jesus is Jesus because Jesus is Emmanuel. In other words, God saves us because God is with us. God saves us because God is with us. We wait for the incarnation in peace because we know how powerful love is when God shows up. We wait for the incarnation in rest because we know that when Jesus shows up, there will be work to do and we will want to be well rested in order to join him. 
We wait for the incarnation like runners at the starting block, poised and ready with every muscle engaged, attentive and strong, because when Jesus shows up as our running partner, we don't want to miss a second of opportunity to run with him. Because he is with us, he saves us from the violence and the turmoil, from all that degrades us and our fellow humans, from all that threatens to destroy the love that he has planted in our hearts. He saves our hearts from the temptation to hate or to be indifferent toward our fellow humans. He saves us by being with us. And every year at Advent, we take a moment, a deep four-week-long breath, to steady ourselves for the powerful insurgence of his saving presence among us yet again. His presence is clarity. Before we experience his arrival, we are left questioning. Clarity and questioning are both sacred. John the Baptist showed us that. The angels spoke of it to Joseph in a dream, and Joseph lived it out by listening to his dream. Mary lived it out by carrying her son. We can live it out by readying ourselves in the midst of unclarity for the wave of clear love that approaches us yet again. Amen.